Hello and welcome everybody to the Melomancy Podcast, episode 75. My name is Dylan. And I'm Rick. Vic is off still slaying dragons, by the way. Whatever he's doing. Or something. But you know what? 25 more episodes and we'll reach 100. Can you fucking believe it? I, I, I can't. Oh man, God, we're going to have to do something for 100 like we did with, uh, what was it, 50? Did, was 50 the one that we had everybody on? Yeah, yeah, that was 50. Uh, I, I think... But, like, um, I know you were a bit of a late addition to the show, but we've pumped out so many episodes since you joined that it's like you've, you're in most of the episodes uh, coincidentally. But I've been doing this since 2016, right? It's currently August 31st in the year of our Lord, 2023. Uh, <laughs> and uh, uh, we're back at it again with uh, with all the hot takes. We're going to actually keep it short this time, I fucking promise, okay? Like, <laughs> Yeah, we're aiming. <laughs> We went a little overboard last time because it's like, oh, victim's not here. We'll just do a short one for the sake of upload. Uh, and then I don't know what fucking happened. I don't even remember what we talked about last time. We just kept going and going like the fucking Energizer Bunny. It's great. So I have a couple of topics to bring up today. I, I think we should lead with Armored Core 6. I know we definitely covered a lot of that in the last episode. The last episode was recorded before Armored Core 6 came out. Armored Core 6 mm -hmm. is now out. If this is your first time listening to the Melomancy podcast, you should know Armored Core is in fact my favorite franchise. If all video game franchises were put in a tier list, Armored Core would be number one and there'd be no contest. Like, I have some other high-level favorites, right? But, like, Armored Core has always been my shit. And I've never actually played a Dark Souls game. I I'm borrowing Elden Ring from Jordan, but I haven't, I haven't started it yet. Well, right, because there's Armored Core happening. Right. How can you possibly do both? absolutely cannot uh and so armored core has always been you know near and dear to my heart and it's like i feel like i'm living in the fucking twilight zone there's all this hype excitement discussion and genuine praise for this thing that i would have been mocked for liking in the past or like armored core who plays that that's that weird mech game for nerds like go play halo like <laughs> yeah go play halo you fucking nerd <laughs> right i don't know man like the 2000s were wild but like they were i know armored core 6 is called armored core 6 but it, there's like 13 or 14 of them right there are a lot of armored core games yes yeah and uh dear listener if you're new to the show uh in the last episode uh i went over some article that i swear was written by an ai uh that ranks them but like you can tell that dude or that machine uh, did not fucking play them. Uh, it it really fucking shows. But th there really is like thirteen or fourteen of them, um, and I'm really enjoying Armored Core Six so far. So like, uh, as, as far as the spoiler level goes, I have cleared Chapter One, and then I I promptly stopped because I've had other things to do. I'm probably not going to pick it back up again until this weekend. Uh, but this weekend I'm planning to put many many hours consecutively into the game which might start tomorrow. We'll see. Um, but yeah, so I, I've only beaten chapter one, but you, you, uh, Rick, you, you've actually beaten it. Yes. And I've beaten it, beaten it. it. This is some, a little bit of a point of contention for me is they're them deciding to do the game, new game plus and new game plus plus, but there are three endings for the game. They should have called it like Route A, Route B, Route C, or something like that. Or they they absolutely should have because it's. And we're going to get into it much later when Dylan's finished the game. But I have a theory about the game, and I'm sure there will be a video essayist later that puts my theory to shame or something. That's beside the point. But I have a theory about what's going on, but I can only discuss it with people who have finished the game <laughs> yeah it's like i want i want to ask like what is actually different in new game plus and plus plus but i feel like that might spoil it too i don't know well, I if you could even non-spoilery there you go like i'll so, take it yeah so in new game plus um you start to have a few options um like um there is like it doesn't change anything story-wise as far as well realistically there are some things because one thing that you'll find out is everybody's got their own thing going on and so sometimes they line up what you know raven is doing and sometimes they don't um and by taking either different missions or doing different things in some missions you get alternative outcomes which change 
where and when you meet people or do things. Uh, so let, let me stop you there for a second. So I've played through chapter one and oftentimes mm-hmm. there were at most two missions to pick from. Now, I, I at the start of chapter two, I did peek at the mission menu and there's quite a few more. However, as far as chapter one's concerned, like it felt like a checklist, like old school armored core. Like, yeah, I could pick the order I do them in, but I have to do them both to progress. Like, is that different in the second route? Um, for the most part, it is. There are, like, so... Like, does doing a mission take another mission off the board? Well, okay, so... Or are the missions themselves having diverging choice path inside? Well, little column A, little column B. It's not very much, um, mind you. Because, you know, you're still, like, a husk inside of an armored core. There's only so much decision you can be making. (laughs) But, um the actually you've already played one of the missions that has a divergent outcome um and it's not telling you this part won't really spoil anything it's just during the the dam mission the uh the field trip where you get uh the gun 13 call sign right i'm trying oh yeah 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 i like yeah, that where mission. you fight with uh, gun four and gun five um you can in New Game Plus, you get the option to turn on them. Uh, they are, uh, the the oh. Liberation Front contacts you and says, hey, we'll pay you double if you take them out. And it's no easy feat fighting two ACs at once. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, no. In that, so if you, that um, starts you down a divergent path um, with some other stuff. If you turn them down and you do the mission as normal... Do you still get the other ending, or are you just going down the regular path? You're going down the regular path. Now, so one thing that uh, I think for when it comes to uh, Plus Plus, because so New Game Plus is also a non-canon ending. So there's, in their terms, there's the bad ending, the good ending, and the true ending. Mm -hmm. And I think to get the true ending, you have to do all the divergent paths. Um, I know you have to do all the divergent missions. So later on, there will be missions. They'll have like an icon uh, next to them in a, in like a a fork, essentially, mm. and that'll let you know that taking oh, this mission will okay. shut off the mission that has the the other mission that has a fork. Um, and sometimes things are end up mostly the same. Sometimes they don't uh, because you're not the only mercenary on Ivan or Rubicon. Uh, I don't know where what word I was hunting there. Um, but, yeah, you're not the only mercenary on Rubicon. Not even the only independent mercenary on Rubicon. Um, so it's... And I like that. that. That really calls back to the old Armored Core games. Because, like, something I really like... And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to interrupt you a lot, I'm sure. Go for it. Um, if I don't interject my retro Armored Core knowledge, it will be lost. Uh, so, in as early as the very original armored core one right um there wasn't an arena uh so but every rave there was a ranking right so you could see all the different like so in armored core old gen basically all the old games uh not just the first one uh all of the people were called ravens right um whereas in armored core six you uh, take some dude's call sign from a from a, a corpse i guess right yeah, something like that, yeah. In Armored Core 1, the uh, the rankings were something that you could click on in the menu, and you could see, like, all the different ravens, a short little bio about them, and a picture of their mech and their emblem, which is really neat. Uh, very similar to what you see in the arena in later games, as well as AC6. Uh, but in Armored Core 1, the only way to move up was to do missions and to kill the other mercenaries. So uh, many, many times, you'll be doing a mission for a company uh, or group, and uh, the poor sods that you're fighting will have hired a mercenary of their own and you can optionally kill them right now uh when i say optionally i mean there might be uh like oh just survive long enough to get out or go to this little spot in your map to exit now right and not fail Uh, or stick around and, and murder them right so um and if you kill them they get deleted off of the roster Right. And so if you do all the missions to rank up that way and then you eliminate all of the other people, you could achieve rank one. Uh, but only then will you get rank one. And, and after you beat the game, 
uh, you unlock level select. Like it's the same menu based. Oh, pick a mission. Maybe there's more than one at a time, right? Uh, in Armored Core One, as you see in AC Six, but um, you can't replay missions until you beat the game. I see. Which I thought was super broken in Armored Core Six because I was like starting to struggle. It was it was on Baltius, the the final boss of Chapter One, that yeah. I finally struggled, and I was like, man, if I had the that stupid pulse gun that destroys shields, I didn't know he had a shield. I knew he was gonna be tough, but I didn't know he had a shield, and so I was like, I should have bought that anti shield gun. And I didn't have enough money, and I was like, "Oh, I can replay missions. Guess I'll ha- I'll fight that rookie pilot again, right? Yeah, a couple times, and I got more money than I knew what to do with. And I was like, oh, "I'll just buy all the parts and take it to the training facility." Because in the what one cool thing I like about AC6 is in the training facility, you can open the assembly menu and just change your build without going through a loading screen. So yeah, it's nice, and yeah. you can summon in some uh, things to slap around too, so you can be like, is, "Is this any good, or is this not good?" Exactly. I think they've done a really good job with it overall there are some quality of life things that i would like but it's not that big of a loss in the grand scheme armored course never really been known for quality of life um so like like my perspective on it has been like so through chapter one at least it's like oh this is actually really pleasant right um it's not because like in the older games uh if you die you don't game over you don't get um like a, a a death screen you get the money screen and you, your build for the repair of your mech and all the ammo you spent with no reward. And you very quickly go into the deep, deep negatives. And they throw you back to the menu and you can queue the mission again or do something else. And uh, if you go too far into debt, you, you do actually game over. And you start over with like a passive buff. That's right, like... Um, the, uh, human Plus. Human Plus. That's right. Right. And that's uh, it's essentially something that they've alluded to and you'll be able to read it when you start reading like uh people's arena cards Mm -hmm. um but basically every pilot is augmented um in this one for different reasons because as armor core has established previously some people are augmented uh at the behest of some investor Mm -hmm. um others are doing it to pay off debts um i assume that they kind of like walter kind of alluded it in the opening that's what happened to uh, raven here is uh it was debts in some way shape or form that wound up making him uh well a wage slave for lack of better terms mm-hmm. and i'm fine with that like um most armored core games like they're all silent protagonist affairs which i had to come to peace with. I mean, it's my favorite franchise still, but I, I don't like silent protagonists, but the game's so goddamn good, I don't care, right? Um, but yeah. like, in the older games, uh, with the exception of a few, um, you do lots of like morally like gray or reprehensible actions for money. And the, the game never like punishes you for doing it, uh, other than people trying to kill you, right? Um, but like, the consequences of your actions affect people and you do hear about it if you choose to read your emails right and it's like you are affecting the world and you you you're you're guilty and it's like some players uh like it's all like kind of like internal role play it's like some players will be like well i'm just a mercenary making my way in the world right and then some people are yep. like oh my god war crimes what have i done <laughs> well well actually you know uh, we could ruin a little bit of um uh armor core 4 that <laughs> really the sequel of record 4 because that that's something too with armor core is um even when they have um uh, dlc or expansions because those were really expansions honestly mm-hmm. uh, back in those days the they were only really even then they were only still related to the previous game they weren't like the one that they were tied to so armor core 4 armor core for answer are technically like they're like the closest of any of the two of those because like armor core 5 and armor core verdict today is a hundred year difference <laughs> yeah and the gameplay is like night and day <laughs> yeah. difference like verdict day is a lot better verdict day is uh yeah and yeah, if we want to dig into the lore with the games, uh, I know like there seem to be two major camps. One, everything is uh, a simulation uh, done by an AI trying to make better humans, basically. And then the other one is, what is it? One and two, they're offshoots. 
three, it's offshoots, four and five, they're offshoots, and then wherever six ends up. <laughs> yeah. So before six came out, uh, there was one really fun theory. Now, I, I didn't read up on it ahead of the podcast, so I'm going to probably get some details wrong. But I'll, I promise I'll come prepared next time after I beat the game. Uh, but the the popular fan theory was that they were absolutely all connected. Uh, now, Armored Core won its two expansions, Armored Core Project Phantasma and Armored Core Masters of Arena, obviously related. They're sequels of each other, right? Armored Core right. 2 uh is directly a sequel to masters of arena they 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 don't like pretend it's not it's very clear direct in the game and then there's a sequel called another age and then armored core 3 happens and it's like totally different so armored core 3 um everyone is living underground in an underground city with an oppressive ai overlord they don't know it's oppressive until later right and it's not like hurting people it's just manipulating events and making sure nobody goes outside and people are starting to wonder like what is outside right so and i'm, I'm not sure because again i don't remember the whole theory where armored core four sits in all this but people have alleged that the uh man almost mankind wiping events that are at the ends of the armored core one and two arc and the armored core three arc and up to armored core four lead into each other and they're not in linear order. Like, um, it's suggested that maybe Armored Core 4 was first, I think. And then it goes into Armored Core 3, or Armored Core 1, which goes into Armored Core 3, right? Um, because in Armored Core 1, like, yeah, there's a lot of underground cities going on, but there's above ground shenanigans too. But there's like really old super weapons in space. And they keep talking about this event that they called the Great Destruction, right? That's a little ominous, right? And it's like, okay, so the world almost ended once already, and there's like war-torn vestiges everywhere. That's a little sus, right? And then with Armored Core 3, uh, so the controller unit, they, they always called it the controller, uh, but when the controller sends you mail, when any character sends you mail, like their emblem will show up on the mailbox uh, like when you're reading the, the message, and... In Armored Core 3 uh, and its sequels, all of the emblems are animated, which is really cool. Like, yeah, they're statically painted on the mech, but when you open a mail from them, like, you see a little animation that turns into their static emblem. It's like a one-second little gif. But it's fun. Oh, that's cool. It's fun. Yeah. Right? And all of the corporations had this. And um, so did the controller. And on the controller's emblem, you can see the word dove, which is a bird. Right? And it's like, that's weird. Right? And then... What's funny is that, so, yeah, controller, apparently its name is Dove, and the at the end of Armored Core 3, you destroy the controller, which looks suspiciously like that room in that Chapter 1 ending of Armored Core 6. Um, you destroy it, it does some sort of final protocol thing, the, the doors fly open, and oh, look, the outside is pretty and green and inhabitable. Uh, and then the plot of Armored Core Silent Line is, okay, everyone moved out of Layered, the, the, the underground city was called Layered. And they start setting up military bases and stuff, and they start doing their human shit, you know, war. Uh, but they find this thing called the Silent Line. That's why the second game is called Armored Core Silent Line in the Armored Core 3 arc. And it's like this imaginary border where whenever someone tries to cross it to go explore what's on the other side, they get lasered from space. They get lasered from space. And it's like, what is going on with that? And they find out that there's an entire second layered uh, with another controller. Its name is Ibis, another bird weird right and it's like that's really odd and th- okay there's a bunch of people there like there, there's no people there or if there is we don't see them and it's like did all the people oh. in this underground city die or did they just not rebel they never made acs i don't know right but you go there and you kick that thing's ass and when you actually fight ibis like it, it's not just an ai core it's in a mech suit and it looks like nine ball except black and purple instead of red and red and black and it's uh-huh. like what the fuck am i watching <laughs> right and then and then armor core last raven happens and it's all crazy right um with the pulverizers which are like weapon from final fantasy 7 basically they show up at the end of the world and yeah it's it's weird it gets weird man but um it's suggested that they're all connected i where armored core 6 lies no fucking idea it sounds like they're on another planet right um, um armor core 6 is on rubicon but okay but they never say Armored Core, all the other ones are on Earth, necessarily. They they never really refer to the planet by a name. Well, I know that in 5 they are, and that means 4 they also are. Because okay. 4 and 5 are directly connected. They There's some scenery 
uh, like there's a destroyed fortress that you destroy in four that's in five. They don't call it the same name. It's been destroyed for, you know, generations, but the ruins of it are still there. And like, it's a console generation difference too. So they would have had to purposefully reuse that asset. Yeah. And remake it for the new game. Like they, so that has to like, that has to mean something as far as I'm concerned. Um, so that's interesting. So the Ibis thing is interesting. What do they refer to it? Like in Armored Core 6 at some point? Yes. Um, I'm not going to say exactly how, but you'll know it when you see it. Okay. <laughs> um, Fucking birds, man. I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, I've got to look at... Uh, like, uh, I've got to get a better look at uh, Nineball then, because it's a oh. black Nineball. Well, it's a black Nineball Seraph. So in Armored Core Masters of Arena... Nine ball gets a bit of an upgrade uh, that is not AC looking. It's like it looks like an AC, but it has big fucking wings on its back, right? Yeah. Um, if you look up Nine Ball Seraph, you'll know what I'm talking about. And Ibis was a black and purple Nine Ball Seraph. And if you look up Armored Core Silent Line Ibis, you'll probably find it. I yeah, I've done that on the side here, and uh, okay. Yeah. Whereas so... traditional Nine Ball, like not Seraph, just regular Nine Ball, was a bipedal red mech with a pulse pistol and a grenade launcher and a missile launcher. It was very basic, but... So, something I'm not even going to give any... Like, this isn't even giving anything away. I'm reminding you of something that you've already seen in the exposition dump at the very beginning. It's not called the Fires of Rubicon. It's called the Fires of Ibis. You know, the disaster. I, I, I do remember six. that. <laughs> hmm. So, that's, uh, that's something to keep... Maybe they are connected, and they're much more clever than we thought they were. Maybe, but but then again, like I I didn't really f I didn't finish like Armored Core Nexus, uh, so I don't know necessarily what happened after the events of Silent Line, um, but nobody likes Armored Core Nexus, so. <laughs> but there was totally a second underground city without its own like crazy AI controller. Um, that was manipulating events, and that was like the entire premise of Silent Line. And yeah, Ibis was the final boss of uh, Silent Line. So that's that's, that's kind of interesting. Yeah, no, that is. Um, it makes me wonder if that helps us place like the, the, the different arcs on a timeline or something. Yeah, I don't know. Well, that tells me a lot. Um, no, so I... So something that you may remember is I initially was really out on the um, story of the game. Mm-hmm. I rescind that um, because the story gets significantly better in um, as uh, each playthrough. Because mm -hmm. things things line up. One, two. I can start seeing like things that they've seeded in uh, a lot more cleverly than I thought they did. And um, also, I assume by the time I'm done with, uh, <laughs> by the time I finished, I'm much much more inclined to be like yeah these people are pretty okay and i feel bad for the one because this will come to no shock to you pretty much everybody in the game you meet you can kill <laughs> at some point in time yeah that's just armor core for you yeah uh. <laughs> yeah like this will not this will not shock you in the slightest that like it or even if you can or they can die more specifically yeah. because sometimes you don't kill them I, so far, again, only finished through chapter one, but so far I really like how the other characters will actually try to engage with the silent protagonists. Like how um, that one faction calls him Gun 13, right? Uh, Gun and then, 13, yeah. And then uh, and the other faction yeah. calls him like what uh, V something, I forget. Well, no, they don't call him V anything. They just call it like... Uh, they had a name for it. Snail. Him, Snail just calls him Mutt all the time. Oh, Although yeah, yeah. there is one guy from that faction that calls you Buddy. Nice. <laughs> and yeah, I was talking to uh, GTA, so I guess he gets a shout out on this episode, that uh, about who uh, Patches is in this one. Because there's nobody named Patch or Patches or anything like that. Oh, not this one? No, there isn't. However, there is somebody that follows his MO. Um, it, who, of uh, being like, hey, I'll pay you not to kill me. <laughs> Nice. Because, uh, so, yeah, that, but you'll see. Again, that's one of those things. And you know what? I think everybody fails to um, 
spare him the first time because we've just been so trained that when somebody says, you know, please stop, just keep shooting. Because they're hmm. begging for your life in Armored Core doesn't mean that I stop, right? Right, because it's like your brain is just like, oh, that's an option? What? <laughs> and sometimes they're, that's radio chatter. Like when they're just screaming, no, please, God, no. <laughs> right. Because, <laughs> yes, I absolutely uh, punish people for existing. It's, uh, it's just the way it is. I remember days. like the second mission. It's like, I need you to destroy these uh, gun emplacements, but we'll give you a bonus for every MT you destroy. So I was like, all right, I guess I'm killing every last one of them. And I did. Yep. <laughs> they had it coming. If mm -hmm. Look. If they didn't want to die, they wouldn't have been in the MTs. Uh, but anyways, uh, I, I don't want to risk any spoilers. So, like, I guess, like, uh, what's what's your take on it? I know you 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 dusted it all off to prepare for another game. Well, right. Um, so I would say that it's actually a really good game. It does what it came to do. That's something to keep in mind. It it came to be armored core. It did not come to you know break any like you know George R. R. Martin you know, writing or anything like that. I think the writing is better than I gave it credit for. Um, I still don't think it's breaking any awards with uh, its writing. That's fine. It's a mech mm -hmm. game. No, nobody is expecting a mech game to right. be uh, the next Shakespeare. Because what we're there for is to make mechs smack other mechs or blow up other mechs in one way, shape, or form. That That is entirely why we're there. Uh, anything else is extra I, I will say the the customization is better than it's ever been probably for like the paint jobs and the emblems like i've seen some crazy shit yeah no they did a really good job with that i also wonder if so it gives you a network code mm -hmm. when you want to when you upload a uh an ac and i wonder if that is cross-platform i know why the it's, game not, is not it's not it's oh, not cross-platform i looked into that no 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 yeah, unfortunately the, no, just the mech data is what I'm talking about. So, like, if I hmm. upload a mech and I give you the data for the mech, I wonder if that uh, oh, um, is... I'm not sure. But the uh, digressing, um, that's a... Um, it's cool, and uh, it's not like I can't give you the mech data anyways, like, just tell you what to build. <laughs> where to put you know what parts to put in um it's still just an interesting idea to wonder if we could you know if because eventually you are going to beat the game i don't know if you're gonna bother 100 percenting the game because the final like the the achievement i will never get is s ranking every mission yeah like i did that for armored core 3 and silent line because i really like those games but like I would settle for just finishing New Game Plus Plus, get the true ending. Like, uh, I, I don't feel the need to go S rank every mission. I have other games to play. Like, yeah, the, <laughs> like every other achievement, really normal stuff, like collect all the parts, um, mm -hmm. uh, complete all the missions, obviously. Um, now, if this game came out last year, then absolutely I would, I would get all the S ranks, because what else was there to fucking play? Whereas this right, year, it's like banger after banger. I can't keep up. Yeah. And, well, like, I entirely skipped Tears of the Kingdom, not because I think, you know, don't like those games. It's just like, when was I going to have the extra 120 hours that I need to play Zelda? Yeah. Like, I was already backlogging, like, uh, hours for um, other games. Like, it's just not, it wasn't feasible. I, and, you know, I'd already played Breath of the Wild. While I get that Tears of the Kingdom is Breath of the Wild, plus, it's still... I've already feel like I played that game, even though I haven't. <laughs> right. Like the only reason I was able to beat um, Xenoblade Chronicles Three Future Redeemed was because I took a week off of work. It didn't take me a whole week, and I didn't take it off for that game. It, it just lined up nice. But holy shit, I would not have gotten through that if I didn't have time off. Like, damn. Yeah. No. They. In you know, I I love video games, but sometimes it's really fucking hard to play video games. <laughs> Yeah, I totally get it. I do think that it is a good game. It came to do, it did what it came to do. And that's something like I have to give it maximum amount of credit for. It showed up like Armored Core came to like blow up mechs and it blows up mechs great. 
Um, and yeah. again, yeah. I stand by like I stand by my uh, what I say that too that the story's a lot better than I gave it credit for. I think I like I was on the same page with all of the uh, games journalists um, that yeah, it was a pretty you know dull story. Or and that's something that I actually want to talk about, and we're going to talk about that based off of my next game. <laughs> um, is that I have a feeling those game journalists didn't play New Game Plus. <laughs> no, they didn't. They completed the game. They called it good, and that's fine. And in, in fairness, New Game Plus alone doesn't elevate the story that much. It's when you get to plus plus and um and the everything really does click. And mm. you're like, oh no, everything is bad. <laughs> I just I'm reminded of Near Automata when people got to the credits at Route A and put it down and it was like, okay, I beat it. That was really short. And it's like, you really didn't beat it. Like <laughs> there was more. Uh which is funny to bring up Near Automata because uh that was the last time I felt so vindicated by this weird niche game that I like that nobody else likes suddenly becoming popular. Like, what the fuck? Like, where <laughs> did you people come from? Welcome, I guess. Do you want to know the backstory? Like, because I was, uh, I played Drakengard when it came out. I had a demo for Drakengard 1, and uh, I loved it. It was like the fourth chapter in the sky and on the ground, which is the one where they introduced the giant purple guys. If you know, you know. And uh, it was a great mission to put on a demo disc. That's for fucking sure. But like, I played the shit out of the demo, and then I got the real game, and I was like, "Wow, this game's batshit crazy!" But I kind of like it, and it was it was a Muso, so it was fun, right? Because PS2 Muso games are a vibe. Like, <laughs> you know, one thing I appreciate specifically about Drakengard, uh, never having played them, I I need to qualify the statement with that <laughs> is that um, not only are they batshit crazy. But each one of them is batshit crazy because Drakengard three is like they're like you know what if we went back to the beginning of Drakengard like <laughs> and made a game about that batshit world? Yeah, they just didn't have enough taste of the crazy and like and I've talked about Drakengard one on the show before. I won't want to dive in in too deep, but if you're a first time listener, I'll just have you know. Imagine a Muso JRPG party where your protagonist is a silent protagonist that loves murder who has um a a, a budding romance with his uh red dragon friend and the other party members include a child molester an immortal child and a woman who eats babies that's the party you're gonna save the world and it doesn't get any less crazy once we get to near yeah like that's just the beginning it gets weirder but like, yeah. that's a journey for another time. Yeah, um, it really is. <laughs> so those game journalists, though. <laughs> right. So I want to. So, OK. And I have to give them some credit in this regard, too, as uh, I only briefly started. Um, my this next game, um, we are recording on August 31st. Uh, some of you will know this date being the uh, day that Starfield got its early access. Um, and thus, that's what I have been doing uh, since it happened for about four hours now. <laughs> and I know it took you lots of restraint not to say, no, let's not record tonight and just keep playing. But we're no, here tonight fine. and I'm glad yeah, you're yeah. here. <laughs> I, look. I can't go you into doing that weird favorite game <laughs> <laughs> and then not follow through myself. And so people are going to already have their game journalist reviews and stuff like that. The Starfield is by no means a perfect game. Um, it will never be. Nothing, no game is a perfect game. Um, and just like I mentioned about how Armored Core see. Like, I think those reviews weighted the dull story extra hard so they could give the legitimately give it an eight instead of giving it. I, I like if I lowballed Armor Court six, I would give it an eight point five. I think it's a um, nine um, because it did what it came out to do. It's like right. imagine a food critic going to a steakhouse and getting the most delicious steak he ever had. And it's like the salad wasn't very good. Eight out of ten. Right. It's like, right. 
I what? mean, he would definitely knock them for having a bad salad, but he wouldn't, like, that wouldn't be an entire 20% off the, you know, the score. It, I think, and I think you could charitably give a dull story 10%. But, like, if you're still having fun with the game, and that's what I see over and over again in the, like, in the writing of the reviews, or the, when I listen to people, um, because, um, um, Escapist did a five minute earlier this morning about it. And, you know, they mention it, you know, yeah, of course, when you have procedurally generated planets, some of them are going to be dull. That's given. In fact, I don't think you can make a game this size without dull moments. I think it's impossible. You, because, like, in, in, in fairness, that gives a lot of the, you know, high speed moments merit or wait when the in any game like when you have a great something happening right like um you know a great set piece or whatever else i think it's uh it needs to be balanced by having slow moments you don't have a horror game where the entire time you have the monsters breathing down your neck you have moments where you're safe or at least appear to be safe and yeah i think from where I am right now, with just a few hours in Starfield, I think it's great. And I'm not dissuaded by the, um, you know, anybody who's like, oh, you can't explore a whole planet. Look, man, if I wanted to hold W for a month and get around a whole planet... You just play Starbound. <laughs> well, in Star- <laughs> well, actually, in Starbound, you can get around even the largest planets in on- only, like, 15 minutes, really, right? Right. Like, They're not that big. You- no, and th- the same thing, like, in... No Man's Sky. No Man's Sky planets are, even though you can walk all the way around them, are not very big. Because there are concessions that make a lot of fucking sense. Which is, you can't have a game be that big and it be enjoyable. Like, you get, like, when you land your ship, it's like a 40, like, 40 uh, mile radius around that ship to explore. And you know what you can do afterwards? you're like man i want to keep exploring you can get in your ship and go plop it down somewhere else on that same planet you know the economical response uh-huh. <laughs> um i don't like i think a lot of people are looking to have faults with uh games and in fairness i have you know there are some times where i'm mad at uh developers so i'm like looking for anything like blizzard Anytime they say something about Overwatch, I just want to be like, where's that single player you promised us, you know, Uh a year before uh you released it and quietly cut, but didn't tell anybody you were cutting it until, you know, after it already been cut. I don't understand all this, like, uh, predisposed, like, hatred for Bethesda. Like, I get it for Blizzard. Like, they deserve it, right? And I can understand people, like, not liking FromSoft for their games being too hard, right? Um, though I wish they would stop pretending that the old armored cores weren't also hard. They were always hard. Uh, but, um, for Bethesda, like a lot of the jokes are, um, they keep remaking Skyrim. Skyrim is held together with mods and duct tape, which it is. But like, those are like almost that those criticisms are almost praise, right? It's like, oh, yeah, they release the same game like a dozen times because they keep selling them. And, uh, oh, yeah, it's held together with mods. It has the most thriving mod community probably ever since Doom, right? Oh, yeah, no, like, yeah, everybody wishes they'd come up with Skyrim. Yeah, like, I remember when Final Fantasy XV PC Edition released mod support. They had a robust set of tools that made modding look really easy. They're like, yeah, they could easily make this the next Skyrim. But it, it wasn't the next Skyrim at all right that because the next skyrim was going to be skyrim right (laughs) yeah no i and you know i'm not here to uh, like insult people or anything like that they can make like people can have their choices in their games and whatnot like it you know games are like games are varied and you know have so many different things going on um everybody nobody's going to be happy with it every you know Mm -hmm. every game they play it just is what it is. Like, people who, like, you know, I keep harking back to it, but, like, people who have, like, have legitimate criticisms with Armored Core Story. People have legitimate criticisms saying that, you know, this game is not big enough, or 
too big. I don't know. Or parts of this game are boring. That is legitimate criticism. But like, on the other hand, I guarantee you at least some of these people were creaming in their pants over walking simulator uh, Kojima. <laughs> Death Stranding, which is legitimately just a walking simulator. Like that that was Yahtzee's review is like, I didn't do combat unless they forced me to because I didn't have to. In fact, it actively made the world worse if I stopped to do combat. And that's like so like you've got that. But like people were like, like critics especially were like, this is the greatest game ever. And for me, it just looked like a very boring video game. Yeah, I still haven't gone around to Death Stranding. It's like, I love Kojima. I love Metal Gear, right? But like Death Stranding never really like never really appealed to me. Like I'll, I'll get to it maybe eventually. It's on the, the PS Plus like Game Pass, right? So like, I don't know. Um, yeah, you'll get there eventually. Yeah, it's just my backlog is so long. I don't even want to talk about it. <laughs> but I think I think um, as far as Starfield's concerned, like if all people are bitching about right now is oh, I can't go all the way around an empty planet. Uh, I oh. think it's going to be in good shape. Yeah, there. well, like, I see some of the reviews, and people are, you know, the a lot of the bloggers are giving it, like, a 7.5 and stuff. But I'm, when I read through it, it's not that, like, their stuff isn't so egregious that I feel like they should be giving it that. Um, that that's part of the issue is, like, it seems like they're needlessly bringing it down because they're, like, oh, I don't love, you know, the fact that part of the game is boring. And so, like, you know, I like you read some of the reviews when you get a chance for Starfield and you'll come through with it because they'll talk about how boring a lot of the main story quests are. And then but then like two paragraphs down, they'll gush about some part of the story. And so, like, I don't know, I, I don't have a good answer for what's going on, honestly. But, you know, it is what it is. I'm telling you journos bloggers friends romans countrymen if you know you want your rpg to be more exciting play scarlet nexus uh, anyway <laughs> i so i i bought a scarlet nexus decal for my car oh oh good <laughs> <clears throat> so the i i know it's totally weird tangent but like so on my my pass or my driver's side rear window me and destiny have been collecting uh car decals for all the games that we've played together right Okay. Um, because she she really enjoys like being on the couch and like like knitting something or scrolling on her phone or doing something. While I play a story driven video game that she doesn't have time or desire to play, but really likes the story and wants to watch. Right. So got a bunch of uh, stickers for that. And then on the right hand side, um, the, or the the passenger side rear window, we are getting decals for bands we've seen in concert. Okay. In which I got two concerts lined up. I, I got the tickets already. I'm going to go see uh, next month. I'm going to go see or at the end of September. I'm going to go see. It's weird to say next month when it's the last day of August. It's like, which month am I talking about? Right. Um, but at the end of September, I'm going to go see Sleep Token. And then at the end of October, I'm going to go see Tool. Oh, it's going to be awesome. I can't wait. <laughs> yeah, that, that does sound like a good time. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, uh, you're a couple hours into Starfield. Um, I'm having uh, fun with it. Um, yeah, I can definitely see where some people are uh, making some complaints. Like, you know, the opening in this one, you start as a space miner. Typically, there's like some action set piece that starts uh, Bethesda games. Like, you know, you're finally awake and you're being led to your execution. Here you mine some space rocks and go touch a magic uh, space thing. And... Uh, then then you get to character creation and i don't i i think this is a slow burn game because i think bethesda went all in on the exploration and the stuff i think that straight up i think that their storyline is like secondary to this game having a long lifespan yeah which was kind of the case for skyrim right like oh yeah no i only ever played through once on the main quest yeah, people don't play Skyrim to play the main story quests, and I wasn't expecting them to do the same for Starfield either. Right. I don't understand like what the uh, the I do understand what the problem is because, and I don't even think this is Bethesda's fault. I think uh, the hype train brought it up. Like Bethesda did plenty of hyping, but 
this didn't I don't think this got even the same amount of hype that Skyrim got, honestly. Um leading in. I think that uh, a lot of people I think people are still miffed over seventy six. You know, Fallout seventy six. Um and they're looking at for any re- way they can take it out. On uh, and, uh and I think that's ultimately what it comes down to. It happens over and over again. You know, you're only as good as your last uh, yeah. Yeah. whatever you've done. And people people are getting pretty jaded when uh, video game companies make screw-ups now. Yeah, they're like cursed for life. Like, I'm surprised CG Project Red was able to turn it around for Cyberpunk. But like, so many studios never get a chance. Yeah, well, they did. But at the same time, you know... People are not remiss in saying that, you know, Cyberpunk 2.0 is the cyberpunk we were promised from the get-go, and they just had to spend, what is it, like, three years fixing their fuck-up. Yeah. I mean... Or it's only been two, sorry. Yeah, but these are the same ungrateful fucks that were like, oh, it's finally worth the money, or this or that, when, like, as, as early as, like, the, that big overhaul that came out with Cyberpunk Edge Runners, like the game has been stable, almost bug free, and very good. Like I've played through it like four or five times now, right? I'm 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 so excited for my sixth. Like I'm I'm waiting for the the 2.0 patch, of course. But like the game's really good right now, and it is what was promised right now. <laughs> We're getting more, but if that's what it takes to get some people to see it for what it is, then I guess cool. Like. As long as they, you know, put their money where their mouth is and actually fucking play it now, right? Because there's so many people that just skipped on it or still believe, like, oh, I'm hesitant to get it because it might not run on my machine. It's like, no, man. It works fine. <laughs> I hope Starfield doesn't uh, have a bunch of technical problems. I know it's only been out for a couple hours, so we don't know. No, no, that's, like, one of the things that uh, Todd Howard gave the, everybody blessings uh, to say whether or not uh, it had technical issues, and like there are obvious like the, a project the side will will obviously have some bugs but it's basically like i haven't noticed any that you know for starters um so yeah no i think that this is almost completely bug free good um and obviously you know people will find stuff because no amount of play testing will free you from uh the just having players play your game like the the difference and you know the vast amount of machines because like bethesda probably has some top of the line machines they're probably not taking it home to play on their um i'm going to use this in quotation marks gaming laptop i spent years with one it's fine (laughs) yeah i'm allowed you you can make that i'm allowed you're allowed yeah uh but uh no i think uh that'll I think Starfield will be fine. Honestly, the people, like, there are going to be plenty of fair criticisms of it, uh, le- rather than the less fair ones. I don't know, maybe Bethesda didn't, uh, you know, maybe Bethesda hasn't sucked enough game journalist cock, and so that that's why these things are being weighted. Yeah, that might be the thing. They didn't pay IGN enough money, so that's 7 out of 10. All right. Yeah, I don't know, and I'm not worried about it. Because I'm going to have fun with it. So, speaking of fun um, and hype, I do have one other thing to cover today. Oh, hell yeah. Let's I cover did, it. I did say we're going to keep it short. I, I have like a, a, a couple things that we can like do a lightning round a little bit. But uh, let me tell you, uh, this last weekend, I believe it was, um, again, today is August 31st, so whenever the last weekend before this day was, uh, was the 2023 TennoCon. Which is, uh, that's the yearly event where Digital Extremes goes to talk about Warframe and its future. And they yeah. have a big in-person convention with all kinds of fun little things. And there's usually a bunch of, like, stuff in-game that's going on. And uh, I watched it. It was hype as shit. I, I'm genuinely happy. Yeah, I watched some ex- uh, stuff on it afterwards, and I was really into it, too. I think uh, I think it'll be good. Yeah, the, I really like where Warframe's going, and the stars have aligned in such a beautiful way. I feel like I've, it feels like a homecoming, right? Because like I got the Steam Deck, right? The day after the Steam Deck arrives at my house, Warframe gets Steam Deck verified. Like, and I mentioned this before. Like, Warframe was one of the first games I got working on Linux, and if, for those that are 
you that are new to the show, I, I'm full-time Linux on my personal computer. This entire podcast is created with free and open source software, not a single piece of proprietary garbage in the in the works. Um, and I'm currently running Nobara Linux on my personal computer. So, um, but like, I've been full-time Linux for years and years now. And Warframe was one of the first games I got to work. And, uh, but it was never good. It was always like a little buggy, a little jittery, right? Now it's buttery smooth. Uh, now that it's Steam Deck verified, I don't know what they changed, but like it works flawlessly now. And I've been playing it on the Steam Deck. I'm probably going to play it after the show, honestly. Uh, me and Destiny have been playing it together. It started with me playing on her account, going through all the story content, because that was the original plan I talked about on the show. That was part of our backlog, right? This is right. the thing that we said we were going to do. Uh, and she was really into it and she was watching it and she's like, you know what? I want to play now. Like it, the, the moment it really hit her was when I unlocked the, um, personal quarters on your ship oh. and <laughs> we opened the doors and there is her Trinity on display in the case. Cause I wasn't playing her frame. I, I, I spent her platinum on a new frame so I wouldn't use any of her loadouts. And, um, she saw her Trinity. She's been watching me play for a couple days and it's like, Oh man, I want to play now. And then we did. And it was awesome. It was so much fucking fun. Uh, and we got all caught up through the story and having a great time with it. There's so much to do. There's so much grinding to be had. Obviously, it's Warframe. But like, right. I feel like I'm going to catch up now, finally, at, before this next giant piece of content drops. But like, so what they showed at Tenocon was uh, a couple of things. They show, First, they showed Soul Frame, because, of course, obligatory Soul Frame. Yeah. Um, you know, I want to be excited for Soul Frame, but I'm also like, this looks way slower. Yeah, they're they're going for a slower thing. Yeah, I don't know if I'm excited for that yet. But, you know, whatever. Some people are. I don't even know if I'm going to play it. But, like, some people are really excited for it. Um, I'm on the fence. But Soul Frame is a, a fantasy game. Uh, and the way they described it at TennoCon was uh, they wanted a fantasy game that wasn't so dark all the time. But like, That's fair. had fun combat like the dark fantasy games that we have available today, right? He wanted something a little bit more optimistic, it's a little bit more like a return to nature, I think is what he said. So they're they're pulling a lot from like uh, Welsh and, and Celtic mythology. It's definitely got that that foresty vibe, right? Um, yeah. But it's not grimdark, on purpose. And I like I appreciate the dedication to not do that. I know that was hard. <laughs> you know something about that too. Um, I. You know, the, uh, I forget what it was I was uh, watching about. Oh, I remember what I was watching about this. Uh, it was a uh, literature devil thing, which everybody knows and loves him, right? Uh -huh. uh, <laughs> well, I mean, actually, not everybody loves him, but I, I like him, he, but I think I he's always right when he does his video essays because he spends time to make sure that he comes out with a strong. Uh, but not everybody's going to like him because uh, he says things you're not allowed to say. Yeah. Yes, he does. <laughs> um, and but anyway, so uh, yeah, he was talking about uh, something. You know, basically the new Superman show, uh, one with mm -hmm. uh, my adventures with Superman, because he said that he was went into it believing it was going to be, well, obviously um, more of what we've expect come to expect from uh, Hollywood when it comes to uh, formerly. Uh, male driven shows that are have uh, female leads right because it's about lois and her adventures with superman that's <laughs> the uh, as the title implies my adventures with superman yeah but uh it's actually very good um and it's very fair to superman a little bit of context i am like three episodes into that show i dropped it for other priorities but like i i like the first three episodes it's funny that it's called My Adventures with Superman because I'm like, Lois is important, obviously, right? But, like, the show starts with Superman and Clark and his adventure, right? Like, if you're not, like, paying attention, like, you would think, oh, this is a, this is all about him, right? Yeah, and what he pointed out is, like, when he was watching, he's like, that's my Superman. Because uh, they did a really good job with Clark Kent and Superman being, like, like, they don't let, they don't, emasculate him for lack of better terms mm -hmm. um and you know unlike it, yeah they gave him the magical girl transformation but it's it was fun funny <laughs> yeah it only happened once 
I mean, yeah, no, like, but see, like having, you know, the hyper-masculine heroes with the magical girl transformation is actually really funny. And yeah, it was just, uh, I think it's, you know, based on what he was saying, I might watch the show. Yeah, like I was super impressed. Yeah, and the fantasy, and, you know, we talk about, because he had brought up, you know, the uh, Snyder and other people who say, you know, like, oh, it's just not realistic to have a superhero who, you know, uh, can, you know, flies around and saves the day for everybody, right? And uh, he, but what he pointed out is that, uh, you know, that's kind of the point of Superman is to, it's not that he can necessarily do that. It's that he's going to do his best. And that, Mm -hmm. like, that is the whole point of it. And uh, he, yeah, no, he was just really good about it. And one of the comments I really enjoyed, too, was uh, that somebody was like, yes, when brought up to a, you know, like, why would somebody play a lawful good paladin? That's so boring. It's like, yes, my fantasy when I come to the table is to be able to help everyone I see. That's so terrible. <laughs> like, and it, like, when you put it that way, it's like, oh, yeah. No, that is pretty, like, that's pretty good for lack of better terms. And yeah, I just have to give him a lot more credit than uh, people have been giving these things, like anything mm. credit, really. Um, I don't know. I'm really looking forward to more of what we've got. Um, I'm mm-hmm. looking forward to the inevitable Armor Core 6 DLC that will happen, that will be vaguely re- related to uh, the game that we already have. <laughs> and there'll be a whole new game that you could buy separately, yeah. and it will be just as long as the game before or longer, which is nice. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I really look forward to all of the, um, yeah, all of it and, uh, what we get more of And you know, I look forward to, uh, the next episode talking about more Starfield and like what I've enjoyed and what I haven't enjoyed because there will inevitably be things that I'm like, they could do better. But like we pointed out with Skyrim, it'll like a lot of these problems that people will have, have, We'll have mod support to make it not so terrible. Yeah, it's just it's so weird, like having so much fun, good and positive news to talk about in all of our hobbies. It's like, man, we've really eaten good this year. (laughs) Yeah, I'm having a blast. Yeah, like it was not this good in recent years and I'm just loving it. Like, so it's unfortunate that victim couldn't join us today because I really wanted to talk to him about soul frame because like this, the, the entire concept of a fantasy like like uh slow but focused and intentional melee game again in a fantasy setting that is not a dark fantasy sounds like right up his alley right because he's always critical of grimdark it's like he thinks it's like a cop-out i don't want to speak for him because i think he has an interesting take on the subject right it 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 feels like they're making the game the exact game that he wants and i wonder what he thinks about it or if he's even seen the footage but uh, I'll, I'll cover what else happened at Tenocon real quick. So they, the the other two key announcements was they uh, they announced what the next major like content patch is going to be for Warframe, where they showed a new hub area. Well, it's not new; it's like a hub area we already had. But like the walls come down, and there's like new zone, uh, basically in the open world, infested open world, which is the 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 moon of Deimos, right? The Deimos, the moon of Mars. Uh, which is where they moved all of the Orokin derelict missions to. But there's a big open area that you can run around in that's really creepy and gross. But um, there's this, like, building in the center of it, uh, like an Orokin tower of sorts, that is uh, where all the NPCs are. And um, they're opening up more of that into a playable zone. And the the update's called Whispers in the Walls. It's all about the Void. Uh, We're going to learn more about the Man in the Wall, which is probably the most interesting villain of at least of, of a live service game like warframe definitely has that market cornered right sorry destiny fans your story sucks but <laughs> who am i kidding they'll agree with me but um get good scrubs the man <laughs> in the wall is such a cool character uh it's probably like warframe's like best like story achievement i think is having such a weird and mysterious creature that like is both creepy and frightening and intimidating in a game where you're constantly power creeping and getting ridiculously powerful, like this creature still manages to terrify you, right? Like that's impressive writing. And this update's yeah. going to give us more info about that dude. And then uh, a later update 
uh, which we got a sneak preview of. Now this it's it's vaporware until it's like fucking real, right? This is like when they showed Railjack off for the first time. We didn't see it for two years. Um, but the other update was Warframe 1999, where yeah, um, that one I'm really looking forward to see where that goes because they basically just said nothing, showed it off. And I know. It a day. It's like so they showed the whispers in the walls, and then there's like these old retro computers in the corner, and they're like, "Oh hey Tenno, you want to go like try that?" And it's like, "Go go over there," and they, and then your fucking default skin Excalibur walks up to it, clicks a button, um, and then the the Warframe nineteen ninety nine trailer plays, and it's like, "What are we seeing? Why is that Excalibur a dude in a suit with hair and eyes and a face?" Why is he shooting an AK in a submarine in the 90s? What are these enemies that look like they have TVs coming out of their skin? And why is Albert? Why does Albert and Trotty look like Jojo? Uh, fucking fucking Jotaro. Like, he's got the drip. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm it's so really excited. exciting. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. So that, like, absolute show stealer. Um, big, it's a good time to be a Warframe fan. But it's definitely a really good time to be a Warframe fan. Uh, also, Gamescom was also happening this weekend, and uh, with it came a lot of trailers, um, a lot of releases. Uh, we got to see the PlayStation Portal, which is PlayStation's new portable device. It looks like absolute garbage. Do not buy it. Um, it's just yeah, a, no, that's yeah. super sad. I was so disappointed, and it's just a streaming device to right, your own PS Five. Yeah. That is but, legitimately the worst part about it. Like, it does nothing. Oh, do you want Bluetooth headsets? <laughs> we don't do that here. Unless yeah. you buy our Bluetooth headset. It's like, yeah, sure, it's like two ninety nine. Like, save up a couple extra hundreds and buy a Steam Deck if you really want to play on the go. Because at least you don't need internet for the fucking Steam Deck. Right? But, like, yeah, PlayStation Portal, what a colossal waste of money. What a joke. Uh, Cyberpunk is right around the corner with that Phantom Liberty update and 2.0. It's going to be great. Um, the uh, there was a new uh, there's a lot of new indie games that came out. Like I I've already bought Strafe. I haven't played it yet. Looks really good. Uh, Turbo Overkill. I talked about that last episode. It's out. I still haven't played it. Uh, I've been busy. I was actually gone all last week. Um, but uh, the other like big like crazy news is um, Embracer. Embracer Group, the that one giant company that bought all the cheap IPs from other dying companies. Yeah, they uh they closed one of their studios. Um, so basically, they were trying to sell themselves to another company. Oh, okay, good. The deal fell through, so not good for them, right? Um, well, they panicked less- and started laying stuff off, and uh, they laid off. I forget the name of the studio. It started with a V, but they're the people that made all the Saints Row games. Oh, Volition. Volition, yeah. So Volition is no more. They closed their doors. Um, they probably had it coming. That last Saints Row game looked like a doozy. I mean, yeah, it was bad. It's like an insult well, to everyone who enjoyed Saints Row. Well, it's an insult to everybody who enjoys video games. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> and it's not like go woke, get broke. It's more like uh, make something that uh, pisses off your fan base and they won't buy it, and then you're not going to get new fans. Like, yeah, because they nobody else wants it either. Yeah, don't yeah. insult their intelligence to make a point. It wasn't even a good point. So, rest in peace, Saints Row franchise. It's gone. Um, but anyways, yeah, I said we keep it short, and it's been about an hour, so I think we're going to sign out here. Alrighty. Yeah, so uh, this has been the Melomancy Podcast, episode 75. Uh, I'm going to go play some Warframe, and it sounds like Rick is already playing starfield <laughs> no no i would never uh-huh. i would never be playing video games while we're uh doing this we'll see just how many keystrokes i can edit out of this recording uh <laughs> i've only been keystroking towards the end though for the most part so to everybody out there streaming sats we appreciate you uh feel free to send a boost anytime we'll read them there wasn't any boost to read today uh but i see you streaming appreciate it and you can find me on the Noster network with my Noster address is at Dylon at melomancy.cafe. Or you find me on the Fediverse at Dylon at shitposter.club. If you unfortunately already to have a Discord account and you didn't avoid it, uh, feel free to join our Discord as well, discord.me slash melomancy. Uh, yeah, if you show is... up, um, announce that you're here from the podcast so I don't think you're a bot. 
Yeah, it's pretty small community. There's only like a hundred or so people in the Discord, and that they're, they're not all on at the same time. <laughs> yeah, not some of close. them haven't been on in years. Yeah, it's a sad sight, but it's like, it's it's. I don't want to advertise the Discord much because it's like Discord is malware. I don't want to invite more people to use it. We really should escape, but escape is not in sight, and the 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 state of Discord competitors is very grim at the moment. Yeah, we were going to move to TeamSpeak if they ever fucking did that, but they just stopped making announcements about TeamSpeak, what, four, five, well, they, whatever they, it was. They still they still shitpost on Twitter about... Oh, well, that's helpful. But So they're alive, but like, where the fuck's their product? I'm excited yeah. to try it. I have a server ready to go. It's the server running this mumble. Like, I'll happily like archive the mumble. Well, it's just a text file. I'll copy the fucking text file. Erase <laughs> mumble. Um, the config file, I mean. Copy the config file somewhere safe white mumble install TeamSpeak. i've already got the server like i want to fucking try it TeamSpeak, yeah. if you're listening fucking send me a code i want to try your software i wish it was open source it was a controversial move but ah, whatever oh, you can well. also find us on uh, the forum melomancy.cafe every time we post an episode i make a thread uh so that way uh, our friends in 2030 can post their comments there as they binge our show in the distant future uh, i wonder what forums are again a uh, thing Right, because all because because Reddit finally went under. <laughs> all right, soon I'm rambling. See you later.